1: This
0: is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, on the web at myfloridahistory.org. I'm Ben Broatmarkle, and coming up on this week's program, the Museum of Florida Art presents an interdisciplinary multimedia production looking at Florida history. That's the whole idea behind Legendary Florida in the beginning,
2: was to let people know who we are in Florida, and why
0: we are, and where we came from. We'll meet Brunel Gatellis, a trailblazing woman who worked as a real estate broker in Miami in the 1940s.
3: They didn't have any bank accounts or anything, and they couldn't qualify for mortgages. But they used to come to my office with money wrapped up in paper like you wrap meat up under their arms.
0: And a theatrical presentation looks at how Floridians connected to the land in the past, all that ahead on Florida frontiers. That's music by Robert Kerr, inspired by the paintings of Jackson Walker. Kerr's music, Walker's images of scenes from Florida history, and the words of Florida historian Gary Mormino will all be incorporated into a new interdisciplinary multimedia production called Legendary Florida, a Historical Portrait in Sound. Jackson Walker's Legendary Florida paintings make up the core of the Museum of Florida art collection. Much of the series is displayed at the historic Volusia County Courthouse in DeLand. Jennifer Coolidge is executive director of the Museum of Florida Art and it was her idea to combine Walker's images with original music and contextual narration.
4: When we purchased the collection from Jackson originally um, we did so because of the art itself but we also saw the potential for interdisciplinary arts education working with history and environmental science music and after working with that program for many years we just thought oh, this works. It's a catalyst. Legendary Florida is a catalyst for all kinds of learning, all kinds of creative activity. So it was really about putting the pieces together, the, the, the creative artists together, and making the linka- linkage between the composer to Jackson Walker and to Dr. Mormino. And when you bring artists together, um, great things happen.
0: This new multimedia project started with the paintings of Jackson Walker, which cover topics from Florida history as diverse as the capture of Chief Osceola, William Bartram's Travels, Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders, and the notorious Ashley Gang. It opened up a whole new uh, opportunity to increase
2: our effort in telling the history of Florida in a brand new way that uh, I, I think is more impressive than the paintings by themselves. And I, I think with with uh, the program of the music, the paintings, and the narrative story of the history of Florida as it's portrayed is just uh, – unbelievable. It's just irresistible. How can you not be involved with this? So I have been very pleased to, to have the association of Dr. Mormino and Rob with the museum to take what started out as just a collection of historical paintings, and we've moved into an entirely new uh, realm here, which I think is going to be so rewarding
0: Each of the creative people involved with Legendary Florida, A Historical Portrait in Sound, explores Florida history in their own way, but Walker says this collaborative effort provides people with a new experience. The idea generally is to give the
2: audience a a total uh, package of of Florida's history, which is remarkable. I mean, if you just sat down and read it in a book, it's remarkable. But to, to build upon the history, and bring it to the public in a in a way through the paintings, which which we've done, and and now adding this 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 background this this sound with it, which uh, is it, just created to go with these paintings, and then it's it's dramatically and and written narrative, that is the third arm of this of this project, uh, and and the audience should be able to go in and sit down. And, and th- be informed and entertained uh, with these three different mediums of communication, uh, which which I think is a project that nobody's done in with this particular subject matter, and I, th- I, I think uh, it's it's something that's going to uh, generally be uh, successful because of the amount of energy and effort and the different disciplines working together is is going to be uh, something significant.
0: Through his arrangement with the Museum of Florida Art in DeLand, Jackson Walker adds one or two new paintings to the legendary Florida series each year. In the new multimedia collaboration, Walker's images will be projected on large screens as Robert Kerr's music is performed and Gary Mormino's words are read. The audience will come away being hopefully very emotionally
2: moved uh but also very well informed on on their past or where they're at and that's really important that's kind of the that's the whole idea behind legendary florida in the beginning was to let people know who we are in florida and where why we are and where we came from and how we got here and i think this is just a, a most entertaining and uh
0: rich way of giving that message Composer Robert Kerr works for the Walt Disney World Company. He is a violinist with the Orlando Philharmonic, the Bach Festival Orchestra, the Brevard Symphony Orchestra, and is a member of the Emerald String Quartet. Kerr studied composition in Scotland and taught at Rollins College. He's written music for Universal
5: Studios, NASA, and Walt Disney World. Jennifer Coolidge came to me a couple years ago, and she introduced the idea of collaborating in some way using music uh, that I had written and using it to inspire and to train kids. And um, when she introduced the idea of the legendary Florida Project to me um, and told me about Jackson Walker, she invited me to go to DeLand and to view his paintings which were hanging in the old courthouse. And when I went there, I felt like I was looking at one of the you know Flemish masters. You know, I, I felt like I was in a in a European museum looking at these paintings that must have been painted. You know, uh, with the with by some master, and um, and and I was so inspired by the vignettes of Florida history, because it's almost like the Dutch masters sort of came over here and and became entranced with uh, Florida, but it's all in the talent of Jackson Walker, and I was so incredibly inspired. Um, She was telling me that she would like to take one or two of the paintings, and maybe I could comment on it musically, and we had toyed with the idea of my writing a string quartet, but when I saw the scope of the work that had been done, I thought a string quartet is not the language that would speak well of these incredible masterpieces. Um, and, and all I could do was, was I, I, I could think, you know, it doesn't matter what it's going to take. These pieces deserve a, a, a symphonic treatment. And so I set about to write a complete symphony.
0: In the multimedia legendary Florida experience, Kerr's music, Jackson Walker's images, and Gary Mormino's words will depict the natural Florida, native culture, cow hunters, war in Florida, Spanish influences, and other aspects of Florida history.
5: This will have a 40-voice choir. It'll have a 60-piece orchestra or thereabouts, and um, it's going to involve students as well as professionals. Um, the concept behind this uh, project is to teach and to inspire. Um, and I think what is important to remember is that, you know, obviously movies already do this, they take a visual. And an oral and a uh, and an artistic aspect um, with dialogue or, or or song, and they and they create something for people to watch. And this was being done back in Wagner's day. Wagner was really the visionary on this because he was thinking when he wrote his epic operas of of of, of movies. I think he was thinking a hundred years ahead of his day, and and so in a sense. The added element that we're doing that movies can't provide is the live and exciting element where there is some, you know, creation going on on stage, you know, in a live performance aspect. So we have drama, we have art, we have a multimedia presentation, and we have acting going on all at the same time with a chorus. So in a way, it's movie to the, you know, second or third power because it's, it's a live you know, uh, entertainment medium.
0: The premier performances of Legendary Florida, A Historical Portrait in Sound, will be staged in the historic Athens Theater in DeLand, across the street from the historic Volusia County Courthouse, where many of Jackson Walker's paintings are displayed. Kerr says
5: his collaboration with Walker and Mormino is proving to be very effective. No one person does everything superbly, but I'm. I know that I'm uh, I know that I have a talent for being able to compose music. I you know, what Jackson does is obvious, and what Dr. Mormino does is apparent in his writing and uh, in his ability to lecture. So I think I think it's really like a dream come true in a way to be able to to marry together these different disciplines in in a way that I think perpetuates, a pride in our Florida heritage and in education for children as well as uh, art the arts in general not losing a footing in in the world of modern technology where everything is about immediate entertainment
0: when Jennifer Coolidge was assembling the creative team for this project Kerr says she selected him as the composer because she was familiar with other music he had written reflecting Florida history
5: I've written a lot of pieces that have to do with American history. I wrote a piece called The Paul Bunyan Suite and a, and a piece about uh, Daniel Boone. and um, I've written a piece about the Columbia uh, spaceship. And since I moved to Central Florida, um, I've written a lot of uh, pieces that deal really with our little segment of the United States and uh, in fact, on the concert, uh, I've written several other pieces that are going to be on the program. One is a suite I wrote about Ponce de Leon and his quest. Um, I did an arrangement for strings of the Orange Blossom special and that will also be on the program. And then uh, the thing that in, that got Jennifer really uh, excited about my music was a piece that I sent to her when we first were talking and that was about the yearling. And, um, uh, that, that will also be featured on the program. It's a piece for strings and piano entitled uh, Portrait of Life on Baxter Farm, and it's, it's hearkening back to Marjorie kinnon uh the yearling.
0: Florida historian Gary Mormino is co-director of the Florida Studies Program at the University of South Florida and an award-winning author and editor of books on Florida history and culture. Dr. Mormino is writing the narration that will accompany Kerr's music and Walker's images.
6: This is about the most exciting thing I've I've encountered in years. I mean, uh, how neat is this that you have talented musician, artist, uh, vocalist on the Athens Theater uh, presenting a, a, a uh, well orchestrated piece? This is this is just fabulous. Uh, I came in late. I should I should add. Uh, uh, I was asked to, to write the narrative after my colleagues have had done their work. But this is just one of the most exciting projects I've encountered in my more than three decades in Florida.
0: Gary Mormino's words will help to provide context, perspective, and set the tone for the multimedia Legendary Florida production. He hopes that this project will inspire other collaborative works exploring Florida history.
6: Almost sounds something like out of the late 19th century uh, at a, an opera house in a, Small Florida town, uh, and and the uh, Rob's reference to Wagner makes makes sense, and that, that. But I, I'd like to think this is going to be a uh, be the first of of many such collaborations, or ideally that scholars and artists and musicians out there will will be inspired by this and go in new directions.
0: Gary Mormino has been researching and writing about Florida history for three decades. He's probably best known for his book, Land of Sunshine, State of Dreams, A Social History of Florida, published by the University Press of Florida. Although that book focuses on more contemporary social history, Mormino says it helps to inform his work on this new project.
6: Only in understanding the last 50 years, the the firestorm of modern Florida, how things have changed more in a year or a day than they had in previous centuries, I think can you have that sense of perspective. Of, of what a steamboat on the Okawaha River would have been in the 19th century, or, or the serenity of Baxter's Farm, things such as that.
0: The new interdisciplinary multimedia production, Legendary Florida, a historical portrait and sound featuring the images of Jackson Walker, the music of Robert Kerr, and the words of Gary Mormino, will be premiered at the Historic Athens Theater in DeLand in September. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. I'm Ben Broatmarkle. Visit us online at myfloridahistory.org to find great books about Florida history and culture, find out about upcoming events, listen to archived editions of this program, and become a member of the Florida Historical Society. You can also join us on Facebook at Florida Historical Society and follow us on Twitter at MyFLHistory.
2: I am woman. I've heard it all
7: before, and I've been down there on the floor. No one's ever going to keep me down again.
0: Female real estate brokers were not the norm in Florida in the 1940s. Janie Gould talks with 92-year-old Brunel Gatellis, who was a trailblazer in Miami's business community.
4: Working as a real estate broker used to be out of the question for women in Miami, but that was before Brunel Gatelis moved to town. It was 1935, and she was fresh out of high school in Georgia. In Miami, she rode the streetcar to work at the Five and Dime on Flagler Street. Later, she ran a beauty salon in Coral Gables. Then she sold real estate. And when she became a broker so that she could run her own real estate office, more than a few eyebrows were raised.
3: They just didn't think women were capable of running an office. Did anybody say that to you, sort of? Oh, yes. Rather often. One office in particular, because they were in the same area as I was, they were very jealous When I put a sign on a piece of property, they would destroy it. And they would bend the post in two. So one day I went out knowing that one of their salesmen, a lady told me, had destroyed one of my signs. I got the sign. I went over to their office and I went back to the broker's desk and I threw it up on his desk. And I said, you see that sign? He said, yes. I said, if one of your salesmen destroy one more of my signs, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to wrap a sign around your neck. And I said, and you can believe that. Tell them to keep their damn hands off my signs. What did he say to that? He said, uh, uh, you sure we did it? And I said, yes. And I said, I want no more of it. And but he didn't argue with you? That was the end of it. No more trouble? No more trouble from him and anyone else.
4: I guess word got around. I guess so. That you were not going to leave the business. Because I was very
3: angry and I showed it.
4: Brunel had a real estate office in the Alapata area, northwest of Miami. The neighborhood was changing during the early 1940s. Racial tensions between blacks and Cuban immigrants was on the rise. One day, Brunel was warned that a race riot was imminent.
3: The police had told all of us to close our businesses and go home before dark because they expected a very bad riot. The postman was not even delivering in our area, was afraid to come in there. Two of my customers, past customers, came to my office with their shotguns and they sat in my office all night long, said, they're not going to burn your place, and they're not going to break the glass, because if so, we'll answer to them. Next morning, I came in. Everything around me, the plate glasses were broken. Some had been burned. Mine was safe. I guess those two customers pretty much saved your business at that time. (laughs) Yes, and they meant business. They had shotguns you wouldn't believe.
4: Now, the Cuban community at that time in the Early 40s, that was
3: your market, really? Mostly, yes. The Cuban
4: exile community.
3: They didn't have any bank accounts or anything, and they couldn't qualify for mortgages. But they used to come to my office with money wrapped up in paper, like you wrap meat up under their arms. And luckily at that time, I had a man who had a lot of money. I would talk him into holding the mortgage. A lot of the houses we sold went for $500 down, but I never had one not to take care of the mortgage payments. They never failed, ever. If they come to the office and they couldn't make their payment on their date, they were frantic. The next morning they'd be waiting at the door to come in to pay their payments. That's how seriously they took it. I sold up to three and four generations of the same family. And they would learn to speak Spanish, though. I was going to ask you if you did. The only thing I knew was a key right here, sign right here.
4: You knew the important yeah. word, right? But they trusted me. And no Spanish. Few words,
3: but that was it. And so I guess they had to speak English, too. Yes. You? If not, they'd bring one of their children with them. The child sure would interpret.
4: Alapada was getting more and more dangerous. One day, Brunel was working alone in her office when two men came in and asked for money. She was able to trigger a silent alarm that brought help from a neighboring office.
3: That was my wake up call to start thinking about getting out.
4: She moved to Hollywood, Florida in the 1980s and to Indian River County about 15 years ago. She lives in Sebastian.
3: Once in a while, I'll get a client coming up from Miami or somewhere, and they come looking for me. Also, I'm from public. So you still have a license? Still have a license. I just passed my examination about six months ago. I aced it.
0: To... Janie Gould from WQCS prepared that report.
3: I am woman, watch me grow.
2: See me standing toe to toe. As I spread my and arms across the
0: land. Across this is Florida Frontiers. The Trust for Public Land preserves historic sites throughout Florida, As Bill Dudley explains, the organization is also preserving Florida's heritage through a theatrical presentation focusing on how four different people from Florida's past connected to the land.
4: Sunsets here are so beautiful. Sometimes the color travel from autumn to spring to something like a ripe persimmon all inside a
7: minute.
1: Actress Bonnie Egan plays Mary, a woman who, with her Christmas husband, ran a business on Treasure Island, the a Gulf Coast community track, near St. Petersburg.
7: She had a bait
4: shop on Blind Pass, she and her husband, and she talks about living there for 30 years and her fond memories. And there's a park there now. The Trust for Public Land bought their property and put a park there, and she still goes there and enjoys the sunsets, and she's grateful for that opportunity. I can still come here, and I look forward to coming here. There are memories here. Part of the theme of this whole thing is a sense of home. And this is her home, and it will always be her home. And because of the trust, you know, it will always be there.
2: She is really telling you about her life. She's sharing her narrative of the several decades that they lived at Treasure Island. What that was like raising their kids there, building a second story on their house running a bait and tackle shop. She is giving you her personal narrative, and from that you can extrapolate a whole other kind of thing.
1: Director and playwright Bob Devin Jones. He's the creator of a play exploring the individual experiences of four people from different parts of the state, each telling of their special connection to a piece of
7: Florida land. These sand dunes are very, very special to me. They face the Atlantic Ocean. If you put your ear to the base of them, you can hear an echo. These dunes, they look out across the sea out there towards Africa. In fact,
1: Actor-scholar Phyllis McEwen is, now, is known to many great. Floridians for Once her portrayal of author Sunday. Zora Neale Hurston, in this production, she plays Mavine Betch, better known as the Beach Lady, a woman who spent the latter part of her life as activist and self-appointed guardian of American Beach near Jacksonville, land threatened by encroaching development.
7: Her great-grandfather purchased that land and gave the African Americans a chance to enjoy beach life during the days of Jim Crow. So she's... Very, very well connected, and she's a person who gave up a lot of the comforts of life to do what she thought she should do about the land.
8: So much of the environmental ethic and the conservation ethic that undergird what we're trying to do, protect land for people, is very individual, is very personal, and it's about individuals' own histories with the places that they know.
1: Andy McCloud is director of government affairs at the Florida branch of the Trust for Public Land, a national nonprofit organization that buys and holds lands threatened by development, then works with governments to place them in public ownership. The goal is to preserve land for parks, cultural and historic sites, and ecological systems and habitats. Approaching their 30th anniversary, the Florida TPL commissioned the play to be presented in locations around the state as a way of telling or retelling some of the stories of people and their connections to specific places. McLeod hopes some of us can come to reflect on at least one value shared by all Floridians.
8: One of the most basic things that we have in common as Floridians, all 18 million of us, is the land, is the natural environment and the physical beauty of Florida. In fact, that is what has attracted so many of us to Florida. We have that in common. We treasure it. We use it. We use it vigorously. Some say we abuse it, but we also conserve it and we value it. And that is part of what makes us Floridians is a recognition of the land, of the physical nature of this peninsula state. That's part of what brings us together, that is in many ways the beginning of citizenship in Florida or participation in the society, recognition that we all have this treasure,
1: which we all have in common. Response to the Devin Jones production has been positive in several locations around Florida, a state that loses some 20 acres each day at the current pace of development. But no statistic can measure the impact of a loss of sense of place or the feeling of losing a home. It's something the people in this play, and hopefully many more, will see as worth fighting for.
7: Of Marvine and all the other characters, I hope people understand how important it is to speak out and be active in public about working with our physical home, the land, and to understand that It's a very healthy, normal, and admirable thing to have ideals about the environment.
1: I'm Bill Dudley. With funding from the Florida Department of State Division of Cultural Affairs, this report was produced by the Florida Humanities Council. You've been listening
0: to Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. Join us right here again next week. Until then, you can visit us on the web at myfloridahistory.org, find us on Facebook at Florida Historical Society, and follow us on Twitter at MyFLHistory. Have a great week. I'm Ben Brookmarkle.